want you to learn tonight to take refuge in Jesus. Nice. She's in the house. I like it. So one of the things that, that kind of struck me is I, I got out my concordance. Um, I have a Strong's concordance that I bought like 30 some years ago. And it has every word that's in the Bible in the King James. So, and it tells you how many times in what place. So it's a pretty impressive book. And lately we've been using it for letting uh, the little boy named Bennett stand on and pee. <laughs> in the toilet. I mean, you got to potty train him and you got to get him to do it right. And so that's what we've been doing. But I pulled it out and Isaac had said, he thought that it was around 70 times that the word refuge was in the Bible. Actually, in the King James, it's 47 times. That's it. 47 times. So I looked it up, and what, one of the, the first place that it's mentioned in the Bible, do you know where it is, McKenna? Oh. Nobody's been doing your homework. First place that it's mentioned? Isaac? It's not. Not in the King James. Yes? It is numbers. It's numbers. It's num oh, sorry. Almost almost lost it there, Isaac. Woo! So it's 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 numbers thirty-five. And let me tell you what it's what it, where it comes from. It comes from the city of refuge. Okay? And so what a city of refuge was is God set up six cities. Jada, God set up six cities of refuge. And, and you think about it, why would he set up six cities? He set up three cities to the west of the Jordan and three cities to the east of the Jordan. Yes, Nope. Nope. Ellie? Sure. Yeah, why? Why did he set up why did he set up cities of refuge? Ellie? Wanted what? That's not it. That wasn't it. Yes? Okay, well well yes, but safe from what? Okay, so kind of. Luke is back there. He's going to tell me. You're, you're close. There you go. So did you hear what he said? If you, wow, you bunch of thieves. Just like the devil, you've come to kill, steal, and destroy. <laughs> so let me tell you what, what he said. Let me tell you what he said. So, so if you didn't catch that, God set up cities so that if individually, individuals accidentally killed somebody, if you ac hey, listen to me, if you accidentally killed somebody, how could you accidentally kill somebody? Well, you know, it, it, it could happen just about, oh, you guys got good answers. But let's just say, let's just say you had an ax and you were chopping wood and 
somehow the thing on the end came loose and the axe went back and hit somebody and split their head open and killed them. They didn't do it intentionally. Right. Okay, so this guy's really trying hard for a candy bar. I better give him one. <laughs> oh, he dropped it. So, so wh- what happened was is God said that what they would have to do is they would go to the city of refuge and go before the council to judge them. So they would go, and if they killed somebody accidentally, and then whoever, so they had these what they called blood avengers. (laughs) They had to be of the same family, and and pretty much the way God set up in the Old Testament was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So if somebody did something to somebody else, if they poked somebody's eye out, then the other person could poke their eye out. That, that's the way God set it up. And if you pulled a tooth, then you could go pull their tooth. If you cut their hand off, you could cut their hand off. You know, it's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Yeah. Take their tooth out, pull you not, if somebody knocked your tooth out, then you get to knock their tooth out. If they cut your arm off, you could cut theirs. Yeah. Yeah, CJ? It's pretty, pretty hard because you don't have a brain. Sorry. <laughs> so I'd say no. <laughs> uh, what do you got? What do you got? If, no, it didn't. Well, you know, it's just kind of one of those things. So, so let me explain to you about a city of refuge. So they would go to the city, and they would, they would go before the council. The blood avengers would come and accuse them, and then they would go before the council, and the council would make a decision. Yes, that was accidental. You didn't intentionally kill them, or your animal didn't intentionally kill them, unless you knew your animal was bad, and then your animal killed them then you're bad because you already knew they were, your animal was bad. So you would, you'd end up dying. They could avenge you. But if you were found innocent, that you didn't do it on purpose, and what we call now is manslaughter. You didn't do it on purpose. Okay? So it's manslaughter. And sometimes you get off, and sometimes you might have to serve some time for manslaughter because you might have been negligent in some way. Um, so involuntary manslaughter is what they call it. But what happens is, is you could go live in that city of refuge, and as long as you stayed in that city of refuge, they couldn't kill you. The blood avenger, the family person that was the blood avenger, couldn't do it, couldn't kill you. If he did, he'd die. And, you know, it, it was bad. You, you couldn't do it. But if they left that town, the word would get out, because there was always somebody that would move to that town and watch them. And if they left the town, they'd go call, they'd get a hold of the blood avenger, and they'd go get them and kill them. And I've heard of instances that happened in the Bible. And so, um, tough thing. So just keep in mind that if you accidentally killed somebody and you left the city of refuge, you're probably going to die. Okay. So when God's talking about refuge, he's talking about life. You'll get to keep your life. And, and I really believe that's what he's saying. 
through all of these verses. Will you pull up uh, Do you have Deuteronomy up there? I, I have it. I have it. It's Deuteronomy 33:27. It says, "The eternal God is your refuge and dwelling place. And underneath are his everlasting arms." Think about that. Deuteronomy 33:27. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's the fifth book of the Bible. It's part of the five books of the Pentateuch. What verse? 3327. Um, let me read that again. The eternal God is your refuge and dwelling place, and underneath are his everlasting arms. I don't know if you're, sometimes you ever need a hug. I love to give hugs, but I love to get them, and I usually give hugs because I need hugs. And there's the, the thought of getting an his arms holding on to me is a, is a pretty cool thing. It, it's something that, that gets me going. Psalm 62, verses 6 and 7. It says, do you have that one, Katie? All right, I'll read it. So Psalm 62, 6 through 7 says, He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense and my fortress. I shall not be moved. With God rests my salvation and my glory. He is my rock of unyielding strength and my impenetrable hardness. And my refuge is in God. You hear that? My refuge is in God. Just like in the city of refuge, you're safe. You're safe if you're in God. In his refuge. Psalm 144, 1 through 3. It says, Blessed be the Lord, my rock and my great strength, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle, my steadfast loving kindness and my fortress, my high tower and my rescuer, my shield and he in whom I take refuge who subdues my people under me. You see that? It says, he in whom I take refuge. You take it in him. You have to take it in him. It's, it's, what Isaac was saying is true. If you don't get it now, you might not ever get it. And you have to get it now. Because this world's getting hard, isn't it? I mean, I, I've, I've never seen it like it is today. I've never seen the trouble. I've never seen all the anger that's out there. And old enough. I've been alive for 63 years. 63 years. The Lord. Listen to this. The Lord, it says, Lord, what is man that you take notice of him? the son of man that you think of him. I mean, that's that's David saying, what is it that you even see anything in me? That's kind of what he's saying. But the only way he really sees anything in you is if you let him be your shield and in him you take refuge. So you pull up 2 Samuel. 
verses 2 and 3. It says, the Lord, he said, and, and this is David speaking. This is, if you've never read in 2 Samuel, it's 1 and 2 Samuel are some of my favorite books in the Bible. It's, Samuel was a prophet of God and a judge, and he loved the Lord. Samuel was given to God <laughs> as an infant after he was weaned, and then he was given to God. Samuel heard God's voice, and he got to speak. And, and this is, so it's a great book. I love it. And there's stories that are in there. It's, you get to hear all about David and, and, and all the things that he did. But this was David speaking to the people towards his last days. And he said this, he says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress on the mountain and my rescuer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge. I mean, David's declaring this. This is where I take refuge, in him. He says, my shield and my horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my savior, you saved me from violence. He just got rescued again, David did. And, and he, he sang this as a song. It, it's pretty incredible when you read through it. Um, I wanted to transition into the New Testament. And I wanted, because most of these references are here. But I got thinking about which person in the Bible really needed to take refuge and did. And, and so let's, let's open up Mark chapter 5 and, and just to give you, set you a place of where this is, okay? This is in, Jesus was, had just got done preaching to some people and they hop in a boat and they go across the Sea of Galilee and there's a storm that comes and Jesus crawls in the front of the boat down underneath and he falls asleep. I mean, he's sleeping through this. And I, I don't know if you've ever, I'm, I love it because it's funny because Jesus falls asleep at some unopportune times. And I'm kind of that guy that can fall asleep wherever I am. And, and so I take, I take comfort in, in the fact that he fell asleep in the boat and everybody else in the boat is freaking out. They're freaking out. And Jesus sleeping, man. And they, they wake him up and they say, Jesus, come on, man. We're dying here. Can't you tell? You're supposed to be God, right? And Jesus just, I mean, that's, that's what happens. And then Jesus said, peace be still over the storm. And it just stopped. I mean, it just, I mean, if you've ever been in a storm, they're crazy. And it just stopped. And, when, and all of a sudden it was just peaceful. And they were like, who are you? I mean, that's what they, they were like, Whoa, who are you? The, the, even the wind and the waves obey your voice. They were like, whoa. And so then Jesus, they come to shore, and this is where this takes place. Right after this happens, he says, they came to the other side of the sea, to the region of the Gerasenes. And as soon as he got out of the boat, there met him out of the tombs, a man under the power of an unclean spirit. A demon. Got a demon in him. Okay? That's what's going on. And if you read, it's in, 
it's also in the book of Mark, let's see, in the book of Matthew and in the book of Luke, the stories. And in Matthew, it tells that there's two of them. But for some reason, Mark wanted to focus on one. But there was two, and there was really two. But it wasn't important to Mark. He wanted to tell about this one because this one was more important. So he said, and as soon as he got out of the, oh, okay, verse 3, it says, this man continually lived among the tombs, and no one could subdue him anymore, even with a chain. For he had been bound often with shackles for the feet and the handcuffs, but the handcuffs of light chains he wrenched apart, and the shackles he rubbed and ground together and broke in pieces, and no one had strength enough to restrain or tame him. This guy, I don't know if he was ripped or not. Must have been, to a certain degree. But I mean, this guy could, could break chains. And that's, that's hard to do. That's hard to do. I mean, but somehow he would do whatever it take, took to break him. He would just keep going. And most people would just give up and die. You know, um, he was, he, there was something different about him. It says, night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always shrieking and screaming and beating and bruising and cutting himself with stones. And when from a distance he saw Jesus, let me, let me say this, that in, in Matthew it says, it was so crazy there, but people never passed by there where he was. People avoided it. It was day or night. They just did not go near this place because they knew this guy was there and it freaked them out. So they avoided him. It says, and from a distance he saw Jesus. He ran and fell on his knees before him in homage. Think that through. This guy that was possessed by a demon, the demon could have carried him away. But the demon knew who it was. Just think that through. He went and kneeled before Jesus. That, that's just like, okay. It says, and then it says, And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? What is there in common between us? I solemnly implore you by God, do not begin to torment me. The demon knew who Jesus was. Because he knew him in heaven. Because Jesus was in heaven before. He knew him, and when he came in contact with him, he went to him and said, what do you have to do with me? You know, why are you going to cast me out? Why, why, are you, why are you here? He's freaking out. You know, the demon is. The demon's speaking through this, this man. And it says, for Jesus was commanding, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. That was verse 8. Verse 9, he says, and he asked him, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. That's what Legion means, is many. So there wasn't just one demon in the sky. There was a bunch. There were so many, it was a legion. I think a legion is more than 20, right? 100? That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. You know, I don't, I don't know about you, but if you ever met anybody that, that hears voices and has different personalities, a lot of times they're demon-possessed. I'm not saying every time, but a lot of times they are. And, and they have a number of demons. I mean, Mary Magdalene, when you read, she had several demons, it said. 
So I think what's important, if you get this, is he said, and he kept begging him urgently not to send himself and the other demons away out of that region. And some people say, the rest, not the resting place, cast him to the abyss, which is the, the rest, not the resting place, but the place of torment for fallen people and, uh, and angels, huh? Hell, yes. No, it's called the abyss. Um, and, you know, he just didn't want to go there. And, it, and all of a sudden, there was a great herd of hogs that was grazing there on the hillside. And just, just as a side point, this is in the, in the area, it's in Israel, but it's in an area that's, it's called Decapolis. There's like 10 cities that were there. And it was a, the region of Decapolis. And in that region, there were Greeks and, and other people, huh? Gentiles. Um, they, were, they were mostly Greeks, but... They had pigs. Jews weren't raising pigs. They didn't have pigs. Jews didn't eat pigs back then, not until after Peter had the vision did they start, and they were only Christian Jews. Um, but there was pigs, and they saw the pigs, and it says, and the demons begged him, saying, send us to the hogs that we may go into them. Kind of crazy. Why would they want to do that? <laughs> in my mind, it's like, whoa. Um, and the demons, you know, they did. So in verse 13, so he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out of the man and entered into the hogs, and he heard, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed headlong down the steep slope and into the sea and were drowned in the sea. Like, poof. I don't know, 2,000 pigs today is a lot of money. It was a lot of money back then. If this was these people's livelihood. It wasn't just one person. There, was a, there were all the pigs, and there was people watching them and tending them. And it said, the hog feeders ran away and told it in the town and in the country, and the people came to see what, was, what it was that had taken place. And they came to Jesus and looked intently and searchingly at the man who had been demoniac, sitting there clothed and in his right mind. And they recognized him, by the way, I'm sure. And, and who had the legion of demons, and they were seized with alarm and struck with fear that this man was right there because they knew what he was going to do to him or whatever. And they were afraid, but yet they could see him. This is weird, I'm sure. And those that, in verse 16 says, and those who had seen it related in full what had happened to the man possessed by the demons and to the hogs, and they began to beg Jesus, leave their neighborhood. Get out of here. <laughs> they said, Jesus, go. And, and because he's Jesus, he did. I mean, that's what he does. When we ask him to leave, he'll leave. I mean, he just does. He has promised to you that he'll never leave you and forsake you. But if you tell him to leave, that's a tough one. And when he... Huh? When you ask him back, sure. <laughs> that's a tough one. That's, 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 a good, that's a tough question. That's a theological question. Isaac and I talk about it all the time. And, and when he had stepped into the boat, that's Jesus, and when he had stepped into the boat, the man who had been 
controlled by the unclean spirits, kept begging him that he might be with him. And he wanted to go hang out with Jesus like with all the disciples. And, but Jesus refused to permit him. But he said to him, go home to your own family and relatives and friends and bring back word to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had sympathy for you and mercy on you. And he departed and began to publicly proclaim in Decapolis, the region of the 10 cities, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were astonished and marveled. And it's crazy. There's, there's more. And if you want to read it, keep reading on because it, it, it grips you. I mean, just after this, he heals the woman that, that bled for 20 years. And he healed, brought a, a girl back to life. I mean, just if you keep reading in Mark that had died, Jairus, and brought her back to, back to life. And, and what I'm saying is, is that, get this, the man came to Jesus, was in torment, and Jesus freed him. And he wanted to take refuge in Jesus, and Jesus said, yeah, but, but I'm with you. But he said, Go back and proclaim what God has done for you to all your friends and family, to everybody, because I'm sure they were worried about him. If Jesus would have taken him, they'd have heard, but they wouldn't have known, right? And it probably wouldn't have changed that community. But the fact that Jesus told him to go back, because he put his faith in Jesus right there. He took refuge in Jesus. And, and he went back to all of these people, and he was... He shared, and when you, when you read later, when Jesus came back to the same region, the people came in flocks because they, they, they heard of him. They knew about it. They heard about it, and they brought all the people that were sick, all the people that need healing, and, and, and allowed him to heal them. So they had a change of heart because they saw a changed man's life, somebody who took refuge in Jesus that was messed up. And I, I don't know about you guys. You guys know some people that are messed up, Right? They need Jesus. If they get Jesus, if they take refuge in Jesus, their lives will be changed like this man because everybody was afraid of this guy. I would have probably been, you know. Um, it's kind of crazy. I was, when, when Isaac shared with me, said, hey, you want to share next week? And I was like, yeah, let me pray about it. I'll pray. And, and God gave me this message. And on Sunday, um, Pastor Tim had a good, great message, and another if, and it brought some interest to some people, and one of the persons came up to me and asked for prayer. I got to pray for three people on Sunday, and, and he came up, and he was an older gentleman, and he was hearing voices. He was seeing demons. Um, I mean, they're real. They're here. It says the Bible, in the Bible that the enemy hates you. He's come to kill, to steal, destroy. <laughs> he, he has, but, but God has come so that we can have life. So, hey, CJ, hey, guys, look at me. Look at me. I'm not feeling the love right now. Your shirt says just do it, CJ, so just do it. Just look at me. Thank you. Smile. 
Just do it. Yeah. So what I'm telling you is, is this man said, I don't want to hear those voices again. I want freedom. Yeah. And I prayed with him. And I told him, come back Sunday. I said, I shared with him how, how he can get free. And, and then you might just need to be freed. There you go. So, but, but I prayed with him. And then I said, I need you to come up to me Sunday and tell me how you're doing. Because Don and I have prayed for him every night this week. I've prayed for him every time I've thought about it. Because I know he's in torment, just like this guy was in torment. And one of the things that he shared with me is that he, he played Dungeons and Dragons. He was a, he was a leader. He, he was the storyteller. Um, so he, get, he opened a door. Dungeons and Dragons is not a good day, game. It's not healthy. It's based on a lot of demonic principles, a lot of satanic principles. There's actual spells in there that are in the satanic Bible. It's a, it's a dangerous game. It opens doors. And so be careful what you play with. I'm, I'm just telling you. Be careful what games you play. Pray about it. Seek God. Come to Jesus and take refuge in him. It's demonic. Straight from the pit of hell. I'm just going to tell you. Um, it's not a good game. I, I've, seen, I've seen lots of lives ruined. And I had a friend who played it, and then he came to church and got saved. And one day we walked out of the church, and his face turned white. And I was like, what's the matter, Dwayne? He says, you can't see that up on the hill? What? It's up on the hill. He says, there's a demon up there that's bigger. And we were in Missoula. Mount Sentinel, if you know where the M is, on top there was a demon that was sitting up there that was bigger than Mount Sentinel. And he was scared, and we just prayed. Prayed for him. Um, he would see demons slithering across the road in front of him trying to get him to wreck when he was driving um, because he opened doors. Don't open doors. Don't, don't play with things. Yeah, keep them close. Take, take refuge in Jesus. That, that, that's that's my, my whole emphasis tonight is that take refuge in Jesus. How are we doing? Did I, did I get your attention? We, it's dangerous out there. This world's dangerous. I, I'm going to tell you, don't watch Harry Potter. It's demonic. I'm just going to tell you. It, it's spells and incantations, but you can watch it if you want, but you're, you're going to struggle because you open doors from Harry Potter. Because they're doing spells. God says that magic stuff is not good. It's an abomination to them. And witchcraft, they're, they're just an abomination. So I'd say close the doors on those things because they open up doors in your life. They give the enemy a chance to get in and to tell you lies. So I, I wouldn't watch any of those things. I'd try to steer clear of them because go to the Bible. Go to Jesus. Watch, uh, watch the chosen. Watch Jesus cast some spells out, some people out with, that have demons. You know, it's, it's dangerous stuff. And, and one of the things that, that I shared with him is you need a deliverance. You, you need to, to go to every area of your life that you've given to the enemy and surrender it back to Jesus and ask forgiveness and take control of it, take authority over it. And, and 
if you guys open doors, you need to do that. You need to, you need to be delivered. I know not long ago, Luke shared how he was delivered. You know, it, it's very real. I just know. I have been part of a lot of deliverances of a lot of people because the enemy hates us. So, the cities of refuge. If you leave the cities of refuge, you die. And I'm going to say that for Christians, when you surrender your life to Christ, you need to, you need to stay and take refuge in him. You, you need to do that. Because really, if you leave him, if you leave Jesus, the enemy, the enemy is going to attack you. God is your refuge, and he can hold on to you and protect you. And I just believe that when I read this, I saw this, and I was like, never thought of it that way. But if you walk away from Jesus, you walked away from the city of refuge. And it opens the door to the enemy to come and attack you. And he's come to kill, to steal, and destroy. So, so get into him in a way that you can hold on and never walk away. Does that make sense? Do you guys get it? Does everybody get it? All right, let's pray. God, you, you want to be our refuge. Jesus, you want to be our refuge. You, you came and died. You lived here on earth and never sinned. And then you died so that we could have refuge in you. I just pray that each one of us would get it, that we'd understand that we have to take refuge in you that, that our, we have to put our dwelling in you and show us how to do that. Help us. God, if there's somebody here that's, that's under some type of demonic influence, God, we just pray you help them to, show, to, to talk about it and to ask for help. Or I just pray that you'd loosen the chains and, and bring freedom for everybody here like you did the man who was called Legion because he had so many demons. Father, I pray for for just wisdom for everybody here, that they would steer clear of any door that would bring demons out and after us. God, I just pray for that you'd show us the safe place, the, the in your dwelling, what you want us to do. God, I just pray for everybody here that you'd, you'd, you'd give them wisdom as they go through and navigate through their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.